There is something so biblical about our praise to God. Would you agree? There's also something biblical about God's praise of you. That's weird, isn't it? I want you to, to, to explore this with me today. I'm not being a heretic. I want to show you a verse of Scripture and explain something to you that most people never even look at when we read the verse of Scripture I'm about to point out. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And I want you to hear what it says. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose motives of men's hearts. At that time, each person will receive his praise from God. Now digest this a little bit because we just got started and I hit you from a complete sideline perspective, which normally I warm you up a little bit before I do that. But we've got to really press through today to understand some things. Recognize this. It's like this world is the production, if you will. And after this world is finished and concluded in our temporal assignment, everybody say temporal. After our temporal assignment is concluded, then we move from the production of what's going on in this world to the cast party in the next dimension, in eternity. And in that cast party, God himself will look at you with all motives revealed, and he will issue his praise or his thanks to you for your part in what he was desiring to do in the earth. Does all that make sense? This is amazing. So the Bible actually says that we are to praise God, but it also says that God himself will praise you. I know it makes me feel uncomfortable to think about that, but, but, and you probably the same, but God is looking not just on the actions of our lives, but on the motives of why we do what we do. This is where we want to really uh, explore today and get a picture of what God's doing. How many of you immediately, with what I'm saying, you immediately want to live a more sacrificial life that God would be proud of or be able to say, thank you for perpetuating? I mean, listen, this is not just something where God tried to institute religious ideology in the earth. You understand, he sent his only son, Jesus, to suffer, bleed, and die so the kingdom of God could be established. This is serious business for every one of us that we would understand understand we have a role. We, have a, we are to serve in this capacity that resembles the sacrificial nature of Jesus in our everyday lives. And as we walk this out together in the course of these next several weeks, we're going to be uh, taking a look at this, but I want to give you something that I think is really significant. One of my highlights uh, in this last week, Tracy was talking about it, and, um, and, and just the whole scenario of, of baby dedications last week, you know, we had a number of babies dedicated, not just newborns, but also we had uh, adoptions that we celebrated and dedicated, and, and it was really awesome. I mean, I left Sunday morning not knowing what all was going to happen Sunday night, but Sunday morning in and of itself was just very overwhelming to me in a wonderful, wonderful way. And uh, one of the stories that marched across this platform Perhaps you uh, remember the brief conversation going on, but there was a couple, and they came when we had a fireworks event in the last Sunday of June, and we call that the Destiny Celebration, and, and on that evening, as everyone's rallying on the grounds, we come in here and have worship and water baptism. That night, we had more than 40 people 
baptized in water. This couple came to the event, landed in the auditorium, and watched this take place. And they were two of several that came up after all of our baptism was finished to reignite baptism. They didn't come bringing a change of clothes. They just showed up and had an encounter with God and decided no matter what, we want to go deeper and be truly devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. As they came forward, they were baptized that night. And then here we were, uh, you know, a few months later, standing on the platform dedicating their baby girl called Miracle because they had had five miscarriages trying to have a baby, and God finally gave them their miracle, so they named her Miracle. So we were celebrating Dawn, Shauna, and Miracle and their family last week. Come on, God's doing a good work in this place. And I want you to think about the fruit in this house, that which God is revealing in this place, the the fruit, the lives. I I want to ask you again, just a little more of a, a celebration element. If you, as a result of being engaged in this house, have experienced transformation of coming to know Jesus more, and your life has been impacted by the church family that you're in. Would you give Jesus just a little bit of praise right now and thank God for that transformation? Come on. God has done a good work. God has done a good work. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And make no mistake, all glory goes to him. This is about what Jesus is doing in our family. But I remember having a conversation with Wade Moore shortly after he and his family started coming a few years ago. And he was coming to 6 a.m. prayer and was astonished just to see a large group of people showing up every single week. This last Tuesday morning at 6 in the morning, we had more than 60 people in here hungry for more of what God has in store. I want you to know, listen carefully, I'm going to connect the dots for you. There's a day coming where the Lord will actually give praise to everyone who has contributed money, time, and resource to this house because the fruit of this house gets assigned to your life when we see transformation in people's lives as you and I gather together sacrificially following the example of Christ. I don't want you to think church in the world in which we live is this idea of a consumer product where you decide you're going to attend and not really be engaged or involved. You need to find your place. You can't go to church because you are the church. So I challenge you to be the church and let's see God's kingdom expand in the earth. On a very important note, I want you to know the the idea of fireworks, an event that attracts the community in. How many know those are important events for us? And there's an event we're going to do in the latter part of October that's kind of around that Halloween time, and we always do an alternative element. We're going to be doing that here, and we've got these trash bins out in in the lobby, and you see the pastor's faces on them. And I just wanted to show you uh, these important cans. You put candy in them, and whoever has the most candy gets a pie in the face. And I'm debuting in this particular moment that Pastor Tabitha loves pie. I debuted Pastor Chrissy in the last one, and I actually was going to debut Pastor Chris in this one, but his can was too heavy. I couldn't carry it in here. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. 
because I don't really like pie all that much myself. And I'm willing to help as we get Pastor Chrissy. Wait, I felt the Lord say Pastor Chrissy needs an abundance of candy. So we're going to have a great time, trunk or treat. People from the community are all going to come in, and, uh, and we'll get to connect with them on a, a relational level in the community. How many of you know there's a family that came to an event just like that that stood up here and dedicated their baby, and the fruit of our existence actually is attached now to salvation in their lives and a legacy God wants to establish through their willingness to continue to walk that out? It's an important concept that we get and we understand in all of this. Everything I believe God wants us to understand and embrace and express starts to release His kingdom in the earth. And, and I've, not, I've not shared this in this forum. If you're part of the, the school, then you've probably heard this um, in different uh, format, but, but we are actually building another building. And we are building another building because we had somebody with a heart to see us build this building. You know that our football, uh, don't, don't, don't lose me on this, okay? Because this is exciting. Just, just track with me. Our football team has won six state championships in a row in our Christian school. Six years in a row. Like, that's, that's, that's something we say, yeah, awesome, good job. Go, God. Go, Coach Biddle and the team. And so we're, we're working and, and trying to figure out, you know, how we can really help develop that program. And somebody who had a real heart for our program saw that we didn't have a really good training facility. And so uh, if I need to switch out or something, let me know. This has been, uh, I don't know, it doesn't do it until I... Anyway, somebody had a real heart for our program, and what they did was they actually donated. Thank you, dear. They actually donated, let, let me just say it out loud, a quarter million dollar donation came to build this particular building, and it's paid for. Like, that's exciting. And I want to say thank you, Brad. I don't know if Shane told you or not, but we got that check, and we're so excited. Now, this was an anonymous donation, and they didn't want to be named. They just wanted to bring glory and honor to God, quarter million dollars. Maybe of you would be okay with making a quarter million dollar donation if God brought that through you? Check, check. I'm just going to turn this off. So, here's the thing you have to understand. As a family... We started this journey with the kids' ministry area behind this wall and the office area over there. All this, you see the doors into the cry room and the nursing mother's room and more bathrooms. Uh, and that budget structure we set forth was a $400,000 number. And we have actually been able to do uh, a lot of that work already because of the generous donations of our church family, our sacrificial donations. You, you see where I'm going with all this. It ties in to what the fruit of the house is when we sacrificially love, serve, and give. And we have actually been able to fund 250000 of that $400,000 number. So why don't we celebrate another quarter of a million that God's provided through your hands. And this, this is where I want us to understand as we walk this out. You and I are created by God to flourish. It is God's plan that we live flourishing lives. Do you understand that? 2018 has been a focus for us of understanding what it is to live a flourishing life. 
But that truth comes with a trick. And you, you hear me say this in the course of the year, and we're really trying to understand it more and more and more. But here's the bottom line. The truth is God wants your life to flourish. The trick is God doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make your life awesome and flourish. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a truth. It's a principle. It's a kingdom reality. And God wants us to really get that deep within our hearts in all of this. In the course of these next weeks, as we walk this out, I want you to understand 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. God wants to bless you so he can enrich you, so he can release through you the expanding work of his kingdom so that after the production is over, the cast party remains and the, the motives of our heart will then be revealed. So we're going to do something this Wednesday night, and I just want to say special thanks to Pastor Chris and uh, youth leaders and our youth ministry. They're going to be hosting an event actually over in the training room in the business center Wednesday night, and they're giving up the auditorium because we've had a lot of interest in the entrepreneurial workshop that we're going to do this Wednesday night. And I want to invite you to come. We're going to start at 6 o'clock, and it's going to be 6 to about 8.15, and we'll have food going on. We're going to do exquisite imported Italian that's called pizza. That'll be here. And um, it's going to be uh, $5. I think you can pay more than that if you want. That's just a donation to help our youth ministry uh, and the expression of that. But, but $5 a person to come in and have that imported Italian food. And then we're going to come in here and we're just going to go at it for a little over two hours. And I believe God wants to awaken something of an entrepreneurial spirit in the heart of God's people in this particular hour. And we just want to talk through what that looks like, give some biblical analogy and illustration. I know a pastor, and we've actually interacted with him in his endeavors and, and kind of walked out what he does, but he's got a, a real estate business as a pastor where he has acquired 1,000 rent houses that generate $370 a month net income producing, did you catch that factor variable, $370,000 a month income off of that venture. So we're just going to talk about some of those ventures in this particular hour. I believe God wants to awaken something in the church. How about you? I believe God wants us to think bigger than where we've been. I believe God wants us to transform entire societies and cities. I believe God wants to stir something deep within our hearts so that the kingdom of God begins to expand at an enormous rate. I believe the idea of a, a dream center in a destiny dream center, a home for unwed mothers, 70 acres across the street, running various kinds of ministry in our community. I believe none of it is too big for God, and I'm ready to dream as big as God wants us to dream. How about you? Come on, let's do all God's called us to do. And after the production is over and we're in the place of the cast party, all seeing the motives of our hearts revealed, why we did what we did, we'll experience this remarkable expression that we see in Scripture where God himself is personalizing his appreciation for your involvement in what he desired to do in our generation. So I invite you to that, uh, Wednesday, 6 o'clock to about 8.15. Now, I am just going to mention, and I'm just going to take a little bit of liberty here. For a long time, I've wanted to do something, and the staff has told me no. 
but it's time. I have been invited to lead worship this Wednesday night for our young adults. If you are part of the young adults, if you want to be a part of the groovy crowd, this Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, where do we meet? In the training room. 9 o'clock every Wednesday night is the, the young adults, and I am, I am I'm not leading worship with all this newfangled stuff. I'm telling you right now, we're going full-on retro, baby. Retro worship, Destiny, Destiny Young Adults. And here's the thing. This is what I've been told to know about. We are calling this event, and I've done my own graphic, Jam with the Lamb. Come on. Yeah. Now you know why the staff told me no. I know, it's woolly, woolly bad. <laughs> uh, Lord Jesus. I believe God wants to awaken something within our hearts where we begin to express our gifts. I actually used to be the worship leader of this church. You probably had no idea. But when I first became the pastor, I was pretty much it. We had 70 people that voted me in as their pastor, and I led the worship. I led the youth. I led the master's commission. I was the lead pastor. We had, we had one staff member. It was me. And after five or six nervous breakdowns, <laughs> we moved on. So I'm going to break out that. I don't think I'm going to break out my flying V, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break out that acoustic, and we'll see. Maybe the flying V will be for another time. As we gather together like this, as the church, I mean, how many of you were greeted with smiles and encouragement as you came in? I mean, I, I'm moved by the standing ovation of about, um, you know, 20% of you when I said, how has this church impacted your life? I'm moved by the fact that God has called us to be a church family that really does release something of transformational power in each other's lives. And I just want you to know how we gather as the church, our lives are really enriched. And I want you to write this in on your blank, on your card, because it's an important concept for us to understand. When we come to church, our lives are enriched, but when we become the church, our world is enriched. And God really does desire for us not to merely go to church, but he wants us to be the church every day, everywhere, anywhere any of us go. So I'm going to talk to you about an idea today as we introduce this season of time of becoming financially activated. I believe God wants, we've been focusing on being spiritually activated, I believe God wants to financially activate your life. He wants to, how many of you are willing to grow in your finances the way God wants you to grow in your finances? Can I just see a hand? Willing to grow in your finances the way God wants you. I mean, this is an important part of what God says in Scripture uh, that we should get right. Did you know the Bible actually says where your treasure goes, your heart will be found? And so it's pretty important that we learn what his plan is with our treasure, what he's been entrusted into our care. And so today I want to talk to you about comparison and how comparison produces compassion when you embrace comparison correctly. The title is Comparison and Compassion. So the Bible reveals how our perspective is shaped by comparison. And there's this interesting verse, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 19. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing. Would you shout the word comparing? 
Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All creation awaits in eager expectation. I love this verse. I don't know about you, but all the world around you awaits with a sense of eager expectation for you to figure out who you are and live the life God created you to live. And he never created you to live a life that you could live on your own without him. He always had in mind that you would live a life that you would have to rely on him to actually fulfill. All creation awaits for you to wake up to that. Listen, you and I have had such convenience in the way we have grown up in this nation. Of all nations of the world, God has purposed that you would land in the richest nation of the world and grow up here. And if we're not careful, we're more interested in our convenience than we are actually interested in our comparison of the right things to produce the right result. And I I want you to, to get a good picture of this because if you compare your life to somebody who has more than you, you're going to find yourself constantly in want, or it'll, it'll cause you, you'll be inclined to complain. But if you learn to compare your life to people who have less than you, you will be inclined to compassion. This is such an important reality. When you compare your life to people who have more than you, you're inclined to complain. But when you compare your life to people who have less than you, you're inclined to compassion. How many of you think that is a kingpin word for our lives as Christians? Vitally important. And this is what's introduced here in this Romans chapter 8. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing. There's a comparison variable. Not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, temporal now has no true comparison to eternal then. There is something bigger. Listen, you're not just living for the future as in retirement. You are living for 10 generations later as in legacy of Christ that he wants to use you to perpetuate in the world in which you live. You know what I love most about being involved in church? I mean, I have really grown to love what God has called us to do. But what I love most about being involved in church is that I, you and I, have the privilege and the opportunity to perpetuate strength in a congregational family that will outlive every single one of us. And even after we're gone, we are still going to be speaking about the love and the life of Jesus Christ. And more people are going to come to know Christ because we established a church that will be strong in him, deep in the word, and led by the Spirit of God. That is what God has called us to do as a church family. Let's rise up and be everything he's called us to be. A healthy comparison will help us keep the right perspective. Healthy healthy comparison will help us keep the right perspective. That's why it's so important that we gather like this so that we're hearing the Word. That's why it's so important that we have devotions and get in the Word and spend time with God. A healthy comparison. You're constantly allowing. We're all a little bit like pianos. You know, you can tune a piano, it sounds beautiful, and you don't have to do anything to it, and it will just slowly get out of tune, needing to be tuned up again. That's you and that's me. We constantly need to come back to the Word so that God's tuning us back into place so that we are actually sounding like we're supposed to sound. A healthy comparison. 
I, I want to challenge you. Comparison, it's a good thing when you're comparing correctly. So, so again, let me just rehearse it because this, this is the central idea that when we compare our lives to people who have more than us, it really inclines us toward complaint. But when we compare our lives with people who have less than us, we are inclined to have compassion. So when you walk out of here today, you take your keys, you go out in the parking lot, and you look at your car. I'm just going to help you with a comparison analogy here. You look at your car, and you think to yourself, man, I wish I had a nicer car. I want you to say these words, things could be worse. Say it out loud. Things could be worse. And then when you get home and you look at your house, and you think, man, I wish I had a nicer house. I want you to say it out loud. Things could be worse. Literally looking at your house. I want you to say it out loud. You think about your job. You think, man, I wish I had a different job. I want you to say out loud. Things could be worse. And tomorrow morning when you wake up and you roll over and you look at your spouse, do not apply this principle in any way. That is, that is very bad to do that. But it's a good principle otherwise. You can apply that. So let me help you with a comparison to people that are less than us. You know, Tracy got up and mentioned the, the, the keyboard problem she had, and she called it a first world problem. Are you familiar with that idea? Over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to talk about first world problems and see that vividly. And I want to show you a video we used in a series in a season before that kind of gives us the idea of how pathetic are first world problems when you consider them in third world context. won't reach my bed. I hate when my little seats aren't heated. When I go to the bathroom and I forget my phone. I hate it when my house is so big. I need two wireless waters. When my milk gum makes my hot water taste too cold. When I have to write my maid a check, but I forget her last name. I hate it when I tell them no pickles and they still give me pickles. So I want you to let this land on you. It's a great idea. Would you agree? I, I, the, com the comparison, compassion, is just something I felt the Lord speak to me a couple of weeks ago as we'd step into this journey together. But let's not just get together and rehearse great ideas. Let's put things into action. <laughs> Be doers of the word, not just hearers. And so deceive ourselves, the Bible says. Boy, the devil loves it when religion does his work for him. We hear something, we might even celebrate it, and then we just leave and bring no application to it at all. So here's the question. Is your life, think about it for you, is your life, uh, is the perspective you carry born from compassion or is it driven by complaint? It's a tough question. In a day where everybody's putting their best foot forward on social media and you're seeing like these you know, total highlight reels of people's lives, and you're, you're feeling like, man, can I ever compete? Can I ever compare? And if you're not careful, you find yourself constantly comparing to people that you feel like have more than you, and it awakens this complaint that will never be fulfilled. 
And what we have to do is start to put our sights on people that have less than we do so that we can perpetuate something out of our... I mean, how do we do that? Well, I have some ideas for you. And I want you to think this through with me as we sort it out. But, but think about this picture of a child in a third world country. And as you see the, the image of this particular child, I want you to think about the power of comparison and what really goes on as you're looking at that child. No real toys to speak of, just kind of chalk on the, on the ground. And, uh, you know, what are you sensing, feeling right now within yourself of, of this child growing up in a, in a situation none of us can even comprehend or understand because we've grown up here. Even the, the poorest people in our nation are desired by uh, other nations to, because of the land in which we live. And so, you know, as you see that child, you start to think, I'm going to take you to an even deeper place of compassion and even greater comparison of your blessed life as you look at this next picture and you realize the chalk he's drawing is to actually envision what it would be like if he only had legs. And when you start to think about those people that are so much less fortunate than we are, it really begins to change so much of our perspective. How many of you know it's easy to be thankful when you're looking at the picture the right way? And it's hard to be thankful when we're just constantly being reminded of what we don't have. And when we're in the wrong element of comparison, we're in that place of just constantly looking at what I wish could be added to my life. How many of you have so much to be thankful for? Can I just say, we have so much to be thankful for on so many levels. This is a beautiful statement, and if you'll write it in, making the most of your life doesn't make other people's pain go away. But making other people's pain go away does make the most of your life. What a reality. It awakens something so powerful and so purposeful and so personal when we learn to live a sacrificial life. And this is why this is a very important idea that I want to just give you today. This is one of those ideas you don't take a church and you say, oh, goody, I get to talk about uh, you know, money or giving or sacrificial living or, you know, those, this is just a part of the kingdom of God. This is, listen, we are all in to everything God wants in our lives as a family. Do you agree? Say amen. And it has always been a part of God's plan. Think about the context of everything I've tried to frame for you today the, to understand. It has always been a part of God's plan. That sacrificial giving called tithes and offering have been a part of worship when the people of God gather together. That has always been a part of God's plan. It was in the Old Testament. It's all through into the New. Jesus spoke of this. This has always been a part of God's plan where we're perpetuating the kingdom and actually participating in ministry fruit beyond our imagination that one day in the cast party after the production is over has been assigned to your personal account. It's a pretty important concept to God. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Every time I increase, think about it. Every time I increase, I have a choice to make. Am I going to compare myself with the Joneses and try and do everything I can with the money I got to live up to the standard I'm looking at to somebody who's got more than me? 
or am I going to take a look at people that have needs that I can be a part of? And depending on which way you're bringing a comparison really awakens whatever level of compassion accordingly. And that's why God's constantly saying, let's bring the whole tithe into the storehouse where we, as a kingdom expression, we become a port of entry to the earth from heaven where we are expressing the love and the life of Jesus Christ. You do understand there are seven-year-old children. Thank you, Barb, for leading the WizKids ministry. Every Thursday we bust in seven-year-old children who struggle to know how to read because they attend an underprivileged school scenario where 80% of the children there drop out before high school because of illiteracy. We bust in those children, sit with them, help them learn to read, give them a meal, share the love of Jesus with them, and then we get them to their homes where we're able to connect with their families. I want you to know that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we could actually mend and tutor more children if you were interested in being a part of that. And so we've got a lot of avenues for you to get involved. I mean, you can serve coffee out here with a smile and be involved. I want to invite you on this journey. Guys, we're not interested in trying to get more people to merely attend a church. We're trying to awaken people as the church, and we want to say, you need to find family and be family where God is planning you to be family. So this little connect card in the back of your seat, this is the avenue. You fill this out and you drop it in one of our giving stations back there. And you say, I'm interested in taking a step. Once a year, on the first 40 days of the year, we focus in on what it is to be a member of our church family. And that's about to start. Be a great time for you to take a step forward and say, I really want to understand what it is not just to come to church, but to become the church. Not just to have my life enriched, but to enrich the world around me because I'm becoming everything God's called me to become. So this week, I want to give you an actionable conclusion, okay? We don't want to just hear it. We want to do it. Agreed? Let's all stand together. I want to give you your marching orders. We bring God's presence to real life. We come and experience his presence and express it with some action each and every week. That's why the GP2RL is on the bottom of your card every week. We bring God's presence to real life. That's what that means. So your action point this week, it's pretty simple. This doesn't have to be with like Christian people. Okay, this can be in, in other scenarios, but giving thanks over a meal, sharing and talking about that which you are thankful about. What I'm trying to do is awaken a comparison perspective that's healthy. And people that you know will, will have a better perspective after the meal if you can talk to them about things that you're thankful for. So your action point, purpose a discussion over a meal this week with family or friends and discuss just how blessed you are and give thanks to God. How many of you know we have so much to be thankful for? So much to be thankful for. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get this comparison perspective so that we might get the compassion perspective that you're wanting us to have that would drive us to love, serve, and give in a sacrificial way, joyfully, freely. And one day in the cast party, all of the motives of our heart, Lord, laid bare before you. And in those moments, we'll be celebrating the true eternal reward that you're trying to help us understand in the life we're living now. May we get it. May we understand it. In Jesus' mighty name.
In Jesus' name.